You are listening to Andover Airwaves, which is produced by Andover Public Schools in Andover, Kansas. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Andover Airwaves, your podcast about all things Andover Public Schools. I'm Terry Rombeck. This month in our Family Talk series, we're talking about the big topic of mental health. And we're joined today by Alicia Rich, our family engagement consultant. Welcome. Hi. So mental health sounds, it can sound like a pretty big intimidating topic. So as a parent is starting to think about this and and truly understand what that entails, where should they begin? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And, you know, what's most important to know is so much of what's going to happen within the family has to do with communication and healthy communication really starts before there's ever a problem per se or you know before you're worried about something so um, you know i'd love to share just some ideas about how parents can begin to communicate in a healthy way with their kids um, you know no matter what age they are and what stage of life they're in and then uh, i'll share a couple ideas for maybe when there are some challenges one really important strategy, for lack of a better word, that I I think parents um, sometimes might not be sure how to tackle is helping children identify how they're feeling. So a lot of times kids are really good at saying, I'm mad, you're annoying me, but really getting to the heart of what is the emotion that they're feeling and perhaps being able to connect that with physically what's happening in their body. So, uh, you know, if a child is nervous about the first day of school, they may not know to say the word, I'm feeling anxious or I'm nervous, but their tummy hurts or they can't sleep well leading up to, you know, and starting as the parent to say, I noticed that your tummy is hurting and you've been complaining about not sleeping well. I'm wondering if maybe you're feeling nervous about the beginning of the school year and helping them formulate that vocabulary. One great way to do that is just to model it for yourself uh, or, or with yourself. So whether it's something negative or positive, you using those appropriate vocabulary words to describe how you're feeling beyond I'm happy, I'm mad. Um, but, you know, are you, did you feel really appreciated at work because your boss noticed how hard you were working on something and that feels good? Or were you discouraged because something didn't go the way you wanted and that caused frustration and discouragement for you. And being able to just talk like that in front of them helps them learn, first of all, what those words are, that it's okay to use them, right? And then they start to identify for themselves, oh, well, that's what that feels like in me when I missed the goal in soccer. That was discouragement or frustration or or whatever that looks like. Um, And so parents know there is a link right now on if you go to parent resources on the district website under Family Talk, there's actually a section that'll list several different feeling words that can help parents get started with identifying some of those. And then, you know, building that positive communication can be as simple as having a conversation around the dinner table or talking in the car. But I think the biggest thing for parents to know is we just need to be intentional about it. So if you have 10 minutes in the car every day waiting for in the car line or, you know, after drop off or whatever before you get home or maybe on the way to practice, just decide for yourself, hey, I'm going to take those 10 minutes every day and I'm going to connect with my kid in some way. And maybe I'm going to ask a different question every day. Some parents and for some parents and kids, it works well to like have a list of questions and maybe they're just goofy questions about ways to get to know each other or, you know, maybe it's specifically about their day or maybe you each share. Today I want to know if you could eat any food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, Or every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? And then I'll tell you mine. And just starting those, you know, that it's not heavy conversation. It doesn't all have to be about how you're feeling or what's going great or what's not going great. Just talk. Just mm-hmm. have fun talking to each other because the more they're talking to you when things are great, the more likely they're going to come and talk to you when things aren't so great. Or maybe if they're not offering up, hey, mom and dad, things don't feel good right now, you're noticing the difference in the way that you're connecting and that allows you to get them some help if they need it. And I think, you know, that leads me to what about when things are tough or, or something's wrong? And my encouragement to parents would just be to lean in, just really press into continuing to commit to those daily connections, continue to talk, even when it seems like your child doesn't want to, or 
um, seems like they're not listening, continue to remind them that you love them, that you want to hear anything they want to say. In a few minutes, we're going to get to hear from some students in the district and advice they have for teachers and parents. And one of the most valuable things that I think I heard the high schoolers say was that they just need their parents to acknowledge their feelings. Sometimes they just want their mom or dad to say, man, that sounds terrible. I'm so sorry. And I hate that you're going through this or that you're feeling this way. And so, you know, being willing to sit sometimes in the yuck with them that is childhood, adolescence, teen years, you know, and, and not always feel like you have to search for the solution. Maybe not always move into even that parent mode, but sometimes it's just that listening ear. Sometimes it's just being willing to be in the same room and to remind them, again, going back to when things are good, hey, I love you so much. I want to hear anything you want to tell me, even if it's going to hurt my feelings, even if it's going to be hard for you to say, I always want to hear it. And the more they hear that, the more they're going to believe it from you. And then when they come to you with the hard thing, you have to remind yourself, right? I wanted to hear this. I told them that I wanted to hear this. And, and then show them that. Thank you so much for coming and and talking to me. I'm so glad that you felt safe enough to share with me. I love you. We will figure this out. And, you know, that kind of helps helps transition into whatever role they need you to play in in that moment in their life. Them just knowing that you're always there and that you want to interact with them in whatever way feels good to them. But just keeping those lines of communication open is so critical. And it's not always about problem solving in the moment. It's about just being there and being part of that. Absolutely. Whatever the situation is with the kid, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like you mentioned, uh, we brought in a couple of different groups of kids, a group of high school kids and then a couple of fifth graders to kind of offer some different perspectives and to hear uh, some of their ideas about how adults can be there to support them and their mental health. So we hope you enjoy this conversation. Right. Well, we are back with four high school students that are going to visit with us a little bit about some things that they want parents and teachers to know about the area of mental health. Do you guys want to start by just going around? Um, tell us your name and where you go to school and what grade you're in. Uh, I'm Andrew Wheely, and I go to uh, Andover High School, and I'm a junior. Uh, my name is Kenzie Alfaro. I am a senior at Andover Central. My name's Allison Harper, and I'm a senior at Andover Central. My name's Maisie Blanton, and I'm a senior at Andover High School. Great. Well, thank you guys for being here. We really appreciate it. We'll just dive right in. First, let's talk about some things that tend to cause stress or anxiety for students your age or high schoolers in general. It might be things that have to do with school, or it might be things outside of school. What do you think? Well, for me personally, uh, grades... Um, last year especially I really struggled with grades but this year I've been like kind of just calming down on them but grades are a big deal and I think it's like you don't especially when you're dealing with other problems and grades are just there and you have to focus on other problems and your grades drop Mm -hmm. then people don't always know what's going on with you and so it's like they focus on the grades but then they don't see all the underlying stuff and when you see people or say people, excuse me, do you mean like teachers? Maybe I mean, don't like know or... teachers, parents, like, or parents okay. punished for grades. I don't, I think, I think grades are important. Don't get me wrong. But I also think that being happy is important. I think yeah. that is much more important than grades. Like if you get an A in math or. Yeah. 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 I'm the same way. I stress about grades a lot, um, but I see the importance of grades, but I don't see the importance of grading yourself for those grades so if I don't get an A then I'm not an A student and I want to be an A student Mm. and so like if I get a B then I automatically think I'm failing if that makes sense okay so finding that balance of you want to make grades a priority but you don't want it to be your identity yes exactly you say and being an A student or whatever that's a really important point finding and that goes back to maybe why grades cause so much stress is that Lots of, especially high schoolers, put a lot of their identity into how they're performing in school. Yeah, it's like, I mean, 30 years from now, you're not going to be like, oh, I was an A student. Mm-hmm. Sophomore year, you're going to be yeah. like, yeah, I had sophomore year and I really struggled. Or like, it's. <laughs> Got to see on that test once yeah, and I can't like, let it go. You look at all the 
um, like you look at the positive things when it happens, but then you always think about the negative things. So it's a really good point. Yeah, just got to take a broad perspective. Yeah, yeah. I agree because I definitely like would think just focus so hardly on like all my grades and often kind of forget like yeah when I'm much older I'm not going to remember that I got a C on my chem test I'm just going to like be in that moment so I think that's also because like everyone stresses so much on grades it's Mm -hmm. really hard to kind of get in that mindset like yes I should try but like not kind of kill myself over it like I don't need to stress every bit of effort that I have just into one grade absolutely and like you focus on one class and then you're putting all your effort in that class to do your best and then another class what are you gonna do about that and it's like right. uh, it's weird because like you think about in the future yeah i'm not going to worry about that but for, for me personally i know i said that but it really doesn't help that much to think like that because i mean it may be like oh well in 10 years from now it's not gonna be stressful but it's stressful right now yeah i think so and you can know in your head that in 10 years it won't matter but that doesn't necessarily change how it feels in the moment yeah or right. it's, yeah. it's the same way of being like mm-hmm. i'm gonna be happy today well right are you going to be happy? You, you can't just like decide that. Like, right. It's a whole like mindset. Yeah. I feel like if Absolutely. you're really like, like piggyback on like the happy things. Like if you're really like, Oh, I really want to feel like do good and feel happy today at school. You really got to put things like in motion. Mm-hmm. And especially with the grades, it's the same thing. You got to have that yeah. right mindset. And it's also like for the days that I tell myself I want to do good in school that day, those are usually the days I do the worst. Really? Like freshman year, um, when I had, I got COVID freshman year, and when I first started showing symptoms, I woke up that morning and I was like, I'm going to get all my missing work done for <laughs> my online stuff. And I sat down and I just got like, like a hundred, like a hundred degree temperature and just <laughs> could not work at all. And that was the only day I had symptoms and I, I did not get all my stuff done. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I love that. Do you think there's any other kind of big topic that tends to cause stress or anxiety for high schoolers that we need to mention? Um, I'm a senior right now and I know the college hunt is really like probably my main stressor right now and keeping up. I know a lot of colleges, like a lot of your scholarships depend on your grades and that includes senior year. So like maintaining A's for those scholarships for the colleges that you're applying to and writing all the essays for. I know a lot of them are due like November through March, so it's kind of crunch time. Um, that's like my main stressor right now is just the future. Yeah. yeah. And I, like me personally, I have absolutely no idea what I want to do in the future. And it's kind of like for a while I would think about what do I want to do? And like, what am I going to do in the future? But and then I just had to think about, well, I mean, that's the future. Like, I'll figure it out when I want to. I don't have any like super big plans of going to college or anything, but it's like right now, if I can focus on being happy and getting my stuff done, then mm-hmm. that's what I should do. But uh, yeah, I get how that's senior year. That's like, it's yeah. the time to decide. It's it's, right? like, the future like, is now. <laughs> yeah. Especially with people who are like trying to play sports in college. I remember my brother, it was like super stressful because he wants to go to a good academic college, but he also really wants to play soccer so like that was super stressful and it's way more time consuming you have to do all these different camps and so I think it's just such an added pressure onto mm-hmm. school already that like I feel like a lot of parents and teachers might not completely acknowledge yeah yeah do you think in general being a student athlete or a student actress or you know just participating in those extracurriculars um, is an added layer of stress that sometimes well, adults maybe don't remember. From I, I would say for sure. Or, yeah. it's, uh, I don't know. Like I, my freshman year, I played soccer and it was like it was my favorite thing to do. And then I, like I really like playing high school soccer, but I went to go play a uh, club soccer like in the off season, mm-hmm. and that was like what brought up a lot of mental health issues for me because I got really, really burnt out of like, and it was kind of like when I started to notice my anxiety, I would be thinking about all I would be thinking about is how could I do soccer better? Because it just felt like so much. It it felt like the world was on my back and I was like, but, and I think, I think sports, everyone should do sports, but I also think sports like, especially like baseball, it is so much in the summer like they are gone every weekend like i have friends that play traveling teams and they say it's the best time of their life but it's like 
Like, yeah, I would agree though. Like, it's not for everyone. Like, I played soccer probably for four years. Like, from sorry, from when I was four up until like the age of fifteen, and I loved it. But I was, I was so burned out. Yeah. And by that time, it became the worst thing of my mm-hmm. life. And so, like, after I like retired, like I became a lot more happier, and like I was able to focus on other things because I feel like it, it was a lot of pressure for me. Mm-hmm. It yeah it I a lot yeah yeah and like coming up like being i don't know like i don't think when i told my parents i didn't want to play soccer anymore i didn't think they were going to be mad at me but it was just like it was still a huge Mm -hmm. deal to me to be like hey i've been doing this since i was like four and it's like i don't want to do it anymore and they're like well why and i was like and i hadn't really come to terms with like my state of mind yet Mm -hmm. yeah and it was just kind of like i don't know how to i i had it um I just, I just didn't know how to articulate what I was feeling. Yeah. And that's probably pretty common because like you said, you hadn't really come to terms with it. So you knew you didn't want to do it anymore, but maybe you hadn't processed through all of the why. But as parents, that tends to be the first question we ask, right? Right. That leads us really well into our my next question, which is thinking about those things we just talked about. What do you wish the adults in your life knew or understood maybe better? And we've hit on some of that, um, but I think your point is great that we that you may not always be able to explain yourself but i hear you for and from a parent i think i need to be ready to accept my child saying this is something i don't want to do and i can't really tell you why but it matters to me and i need to say okay and let me know when you want to talk more maybe i don't know that i need to totally drop it but give that space for processing um i kind of with my parents i'm very um blessed to have very good parents that like are very caring for me and have been there but i know a lot of people like it's crazy like i think i think everyone in the world should go to therapy like i think therapy yeah. is me great. too no, I, yes. like, i've been saying that so much you say that so much i know it's it's not that something's wrong with you it's literally just sitting there talking to someone yeah. that doesn't have a say in your life but yeah. like therapy is it took yeah. me a while but it helps and i yeah. think yeah people should do that. But something I learned in therapy and like I went with my parents a couple times to kind of just communicate was that they, it took, it took us a while to get to this point, but like when I'm get, start to get stressed out and get overwhelmed and like start just freaking out that to be able to be like, and quite like start getting mad or they start mm-hmm. getting mad to be able to say, Hey, we're trying to have a good discussion here. Let's take a few minutes and mm-hmm. just go sit. And I think that should be everything but yeah therapy is the start to fixing mm-hmm. all of your problems like it won't fix your problems if you don't want to be there right mm-hmm. it's like with anything with mental That's health a really you good point. Yeah. have mm-hmm. to be there to i work. also learned in therapy that so when i get super stressed out or like i'm just not having a bad day i am mad i don't like to talk to anyone and if my parents try and talk to me i'm just like go away <laughs> but mm-hmm. now like Going to therapy, he's taught me, like, you need to communicate what you need with for, like, from your parents. So, like, obviously I've communicated now, so now we have a, a uh, we have a better understanding between my parents and I. But, like, being able to tell your mom or dad, hey, I need t- space, or can I just talk and you just listen, or I need advice, or can I just have some time alone, like, Yeah. I don't know. It, no, just I, the communication. I completely yeah. agree because when I get overwhelmed too, I usually kind of just shut down everything. <laughs> like I don't, I don't even t- like look on my phone, and um, I get annoyed by my parents trying to help me, which, which is horrible <laughs> yes. of me. But like even them asking, like, "How are you?" I'm just like, "Go away!" Like, <laughs> like yeah, I, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> and then and sweet? then my mom always says like, "Well, I can't read your mind," and I'm like, and I cut like in the moment, I'm like, "Gosh, well, she's right," but I'm not gonna tell her. She's yeah. right. <laughs> and, and then I'm just like, "Okay," and then like through therapy and like just really like admitting and being honest, like you really understand like how to communicate your feelings and what you need. So it's like when I'm overwhelmed, I can just say, yeah, mom, I'm I'm just having that great day. And I th- think I just want like a couple minutes to watch TV or like something even simple. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to explain everything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, maybe can I talk in like 30 minutes? Like that's all. And then my mom's like, okay, got it. And leaves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds respectful to her. 
and that you're not shutting the door on any relationship or communication altogether, right? right. Like, go away. Don't speak to me. I want to pretend you don't exist. But you're also respecting what you need at the same time. And that's so important. And that's something that a lot of adults aren't sure how to do, how to draw those healthy boundaries with each other. So I think that's really fantastic advice. Do you have anything you want to add? Earlier you mentioned that, you know, parents are kind of the first to ask, like, why? Why are you feeling mm-hmm. bad? I think being parents being receptive to just the fact that, like, I feel bad and I don't know why, <laughs> like, either whether it's anxiety mm-hmm. or depression, like, a lot of the times myself, I'm just in, like, a really bad state of mind and I don't really know what to tell people when they're asking me like if something happened like well nothing happened there's no good reason why I shouldn't be happy right now I'm just not right. mm-hmm. so just kind of being able to say like I'm not okay and I'm not really sure why yeah. like not having to really explain it mm-hmm. and I know my mom and my house I feel like a lot of us have gone to therapy so just like displaying healthy like coping skills with that stuff Mm -hmm. is just like makes all the difference like deep breaths communication and also being able to be like i can't really talk to anyone right now Mm -hmm. are all just like simple things that like any parent can do that i feel like that like sometimes my mom will ask me like yeah how are you doing and sometimes i i get frustrated too because i'm doing well but then again like again like she can't read my mind so it's like it's hard to kind of verbalize how it makes me angry that she thinks that I'm not okay when I am doing good mm-hmm. um, because it's, I don't know, it feels like that shouldn't be my job, but mm-hmm. often like sh- she wouldn't know because she just got yeah. home from work and I just got home from school. Like she's she hasn't been with me all day. Yeah, yeah. and it's, a, and I would rather, me personally, I would rather be annoyed with my parents every single day of them asking me if I'm okay than just like not under, not knowing if I'm okay or not because it's like, I don't or them know. not noticing yeah. that right. you're not. And it's like, yeah. and yeah. Uh, back to the therapy thing. I have like a lot of. Sorry. <laughs> no, I really, I really like therapy. But like, I, I've had friends that their parents don't believe in therapy, and it's like, right, it's why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. why don't you yeah. just go try it? I'm like, it's expensive, or at least I think you could do online therapy. That's yep. cheaper. There's so many options, yeah. and it's just there like really you is. literally just go in and you talk, and it's like, why will that help? And just do it and you'll see because I've had friends that need help and they right. and their parents are like that's not going to help you. Yeah. The yeah. thing about therapy though is like you need it made like for me I've I've seen two people and it that first person did not work for me mm-hmm. and I stopped going completely and I was like well this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. But I went again and I made a connection connection with my therapist so I definitely think that like you have to have the right person and the right connection and you do yeah. have to open up. You have to be completely right. honest. Do you think that it's possible to find a person like that who isn't a therapist to find? Yes. And maybe it is a parent or an aunt or an uncle or, or, or a coach or, you know, some adult, yeah. somebody from church. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just thinking. Um, and I wanted to ask you guys, because as you've been talking, I'm sitting here feeling like I wasn't in high school that long ago, but I was. I mean, it's been a minute. <laughs> This was not a conversation that my friends and I would have had. If my friends went to therapy, I would not have known. Mm -hmm. Um, Mental health wasn't something we were talking about 20 years ago. You know, do you think in general your population of high school are accepting of counseling, of getting help? Is that Accepting um, of that, yes. So do you think... In general, parents are fairly open to it from what you no. hear from your friends. It's, I yeah. think, no, it's like, like it's it seems like the opposite. Like okay. I, I know a lot of friends who are struggling and it's like, yeah, I wish I could see a therapist. And I'm just like, What? Wow. Like your parents yeah. won't let you it like yes. to me that's the most mind boggling thing because I it, it frustrates me. I'm like, Okay, well there's so many people I know struggling but simply aren't allowed to it that like I don't understand that I think a lot of the times parents or at least I had gotten this from one of my parents when I you know expressed like my mental health concerns they were like well you can just talk to me about it (laughs) and you know on the one hand that might work for some people and you mentioned earlier like talking to like a coach or maybe another Mm -hmm, adult for me I needed someone who had like absolutely no bearing on my life had no like was in no way part of my life except for the fact that they were like my therapist like I love my mom I love talking to her but that just it wasn't it wasn't gonna click for me just like talking to my mom about it and parents might like feel hurt like feel like their kids don't want to talk to them about that stuff 
And I think just accepting that it's not really about them. It's yeah. about their child and like what they need will and it's help like, them a lot. It's like, uh, it's not the same. It's like right. talking yeah. to your mm. mom. They'll always take your side. But my therapist has called me out. He'll be like, he'll always be like, I mean, yeah, I'm here talking to you, but also I've, you You're in the wrong. You should have. Yeah. Right. And that, like, that's what oh, how do you mean. feel about that? Or what he'll do a lot, he'll be like, so can you break down that feeling? And I was like, I just said I'm sad. I don't know what you want me to say. Like, yeah, it's the shortest word I can come up with. Like, yeah. no. So I love that you're sharing this stuff. This is so important. And, and I'm sitting here just soaking it all in as a parent myself. Um, I think it's interesting what you're saying about needing somebody that's not your parent. And mm-hmm. I needed that when I was in high school mm-hmm, too. Yeah. Um, because now that I'm a parent, I feel like I can see my love for my children is so massive mm-hmm. and so overwhelming in like really great, beautiful ways. Right. Mm-hmm. But it can cause me physical pain to <laughs> see them struggling. It, yes. yeah. And I can't clearly walk through those hard things with them. I mean, some of what you're mentioning, Andrew, those are, those are big things that even as adults, we don't necessarily know how to help with. And then you add the layer of, I love my child more than any other human on the planet. Mm -hmm. And now they're, they're struggling with addiction. No, I love them. They can't be struggling. And so I think that's such a good thing for parents to hear. It's not because you don't love your parents that you didn't want to talk to your mom or that you wanted somebody else, but it's because you do love them and you need some distance there so that somebody can clearly walk through that in an objective way. And you don't have to worry about, did I hurt my fair? my therapist's feelings when I said X, Y, Z, or is mom going to go and cry now because I told her this really hard thing. It's you don't have to try to carry that other person's emotions while you're sifting through your own. It's it's like, yeah, that's true. And it's like, people can always be like, Hey, I'm there for you. You can always call me and stuff, but like, and then you're sitting in your room at night and it's like, well, I really want to do this or do that, Mm -hmm. whatever, whatever you're struggling with. And like my, um, my dad describes it as the, like a hundred pound phone, like picking up the phone and calling. You can't like right. somebody could be like, Hey, you call me whenever all you want. But when you're mm-hmm. going to want to do something, you're going to do it. Like yeah. you have to, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's scary. Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. It's also um, like when you're coming, like uh, when you're expressing your family feelings to your parent, it's like looking back. Cause I expressed my like, mental health with my mom uh in eighth grade and now today like my mom will express like how she's like upset that she didn't she didn't know that Mm -hmm. I was struggling for so long and she was kind of like blaming herself but like as parent you cannot blame yourself because we're really good at hiding our stuff like we bury it deep and we we're (laughs) good at hiding everything so I think that's also like an important note to like it's not your fault for yeah. not knowing and it's not your fault yeah. like yeah like I like kids crave boundaries I feel like like mm-hmm. and so it's definitely difficult to be able to communicate like yes mom I love you I love talking to you but like sometimes I don't feel comfortable talking t- to you about this mm-hmm. and and it it will be hard for a parent to hear that mm-hmm. because it hurts their feelings like but um I think it's the parents have to kind of think really big picture like mm-hmm. I want what's best for my kid if this is what my kid is asking for just give it a trial run yeah. Yeah. but also at the same time it's like what that kid wants like uh, like you said I always think it's like when people think I'm doing stuff that's when I'm not when I'm people don't when you're hiding because right. it's mm-hmm. like pretending because people have no idea that I was struggling for a long time or mm-hmm. my friends that I would open up to knew about it but it's like it's just it's like uh yeah I don't know. There's a lot of stuff you have to do yeah. to do that, but it's, yeah. And if, if a child, like, if your child, this is the parents, if they open up to you, a lot of the times they don't really want, like, direct solutions to your problems. Like, if I'm complaining about maybe I'm feeling, like, really anxious this week or I'm depressed because X, Y, and Z, I think a lot of parents go straight to, like, well, you can do this, this, and this, and, like, <laughs> you can, you know, study more in advance. And a lot of times I just want to, like, let it out and have someone be like, that sucks. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. I didn't know you were going through this. There's this episode of Parks and Rec where uh, <laughs> she's she's pregnant. She's complaining about all these things, and her husband is like trying to solve it. And she's like, "I don't want you to solve any of the problems. I just want you to say 
that sucks. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so for parents, there are, there are some great ways that you can handle that. And, you know, one of them might feel awkward at first, but something that I think really what I'm hearing from all of you guys and a lot of what you're saying is we want those boundaries, right? So if you, if a child comes in and says, you know, Hey mom, can we talk? Say sure. And Kinsey, I think you mentioned this earlier. Like, um, are you looking for some advice? Are you looking for an ear? Um, you know, tell me what you're hoping to get from this conversation. Or if you don't do it beforehand, you haven't screwed up. It's okay. As they're talking, you can simply say, uh, you know, I, I have some ideas. I've been through a similar situation. Do you want to know what I think? Or do you just need to kind of vent and let it out? Um, or something like, let me know if you want some help coming up with a solution. Would those things feel okay to you guys? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's like the most crucial part of communication. Okay. Yes. There's definitely times I come home and be like, oh my gosh, mom, I just failed my math test and she's like okay let's email your team like and starting giving me like 20 and like her brain's going like there's no way stopping her I'm just like gosh and then she starts making me mad I'm just like no like just just say just tell me oh that sucks like that's all I need to hear and and that's something you need to be like I need to communicate first and that's the other big piece you guys are mentioning that spending time to validate your feelings is so important and you know, I may not be a mom who's ever failed a math test or maybe I failed every one of them. And and that doesn't really matter if I can personally know what it feels like. But to say, gosh, I can see that you're hurt and I'm so sorry. I feel like in high school, a lot of like the problems and stresses that we face, we can kind of minimize because it's not like it's not like we're adults and we're worrying about like paying a mortgage or something like that. Right. We're like worrying about like math class and like friends at school not liking us. And so we can feel like those problems like aren't as important to like mm-hmm. take care of our mental health for. Right. But I think like validating your feelings, like you said, and being able to say, this is real, these feelings are real. And like, I can't just ignore the problem just because yeah. it's not like life or death. Yeah. yeah. And I think another huge thing is it may not feel like life or death to a parent or to an adult. Right. Yeah. And it may very likely to you, you know, that's something that I've had to learn about trauma is that trauma is more about how you perceive the situation than what the actual situation was. You know, my parents divorced when I was very young. It was not traumatic for me. It, I, I didn't experience that sort of pain or, or feeling with it. Not that it wasn't hard, but then I had students who absolutely experienced trauma with their parents' divorce. And I can't just say, because I didn't have that same experience, that means X situation, what isn't traumatic. Um, and so understanding that, you know, it, it is going to feel different for everybody, whatever the situation is. And yes, there's big adult problems that parents are dealing with, but your problems are also big and, right. and they're appropriately big for the age that you are. And sometimes, you know, Andrew, like you've mentioned, they're, they're way too big even for adults. And, and, you know, we all just need to be ready to, to get the help in carrying that. You said something about the, like, just like being straight up, like, do you need advice or do you want me to just listen? And my mom will just straight up say that and she'll she'll start giving me advice and she sees me getting annoyed. And she's like, well, do you want advice or do you just want me to listen? I'm like, I would like you to listen. Or like, I want advice or whatever. And it's just, and that's really free. That's like a good way to point out there's both. Like, like there needs to be two ways of communication. Like when a kid doesn't always remember to say, can you just listen to me? Like, I think it's important maybe for that parent Mm -hmm. to like reinforce, like, do you want advice? Like that's, I think that's really important. Even if the advice would like literally, it's like the best advice in the world. If if you don't want it, you're not going to. You're not going to take it either. You're not going to accept it. Or you're going to go do the opposite because you're annoyed or whatever. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You guys have shared some incredible, very valuable things with us today. And I am just really thankful that you took your time and that you were honest. That's not always easy to do in a room of people that you don't know well. Um, I think this is going to be really helpful to a lot of families. So thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thank you. All right, well, we have a couple fifth graders that are here to visit with us a little bit about what life is like for kids in upper elementary school. Thanks for being here today. Do you guys want to start by telling us your names? Hi, my name is Grayson. 
Hi, my name is Camry. Nice to meet you both. We are excited to hear from you. So we're just going to dive right in, all right? Um, as we talked about a minute ago, we are spending the month of November talking about mental health and what that looks like for kids that are different ages. And so we would love to hear from you guys from the perspective of being in those upper elementary grades, what life feels like. So the first question is, when you're feeling sad or maybe life kind of feels hard, you're stressed, what are some things that make you feel better? Things that make me feel better at school, I like to play Blook It or talk to a friend. And at home, I like to play video games with friends. Okay. So it sounds like it's important for you to be able to connect with your friends. That yes. That really makes you feel better. Um, That's good. What about you? I also like to be with my friends. Like normally if I'm sad, I will go to my friends and like I'll try to be happy. And that nor trying to be happy makes me normally be happy yeah. and normally when I'm at home like being with my sister because I love my sister. Okay, that's good. Do you guys feel like you have time at school that you can spend with your friends? Yeah, at lunch we have 30 minutes to talk to our friends and um, during recess mm -hmm. we play as a friend or as a group playing football. Okay. That's what I do during recess. Okay. So those times help throughout the school day, kind of keep yeah. you happy, like you were saying. So when you're already feeling happy or when it's been a great day, what are things that you like to do? Um, I like to do things that I really like to do. Like I really like to play volleyball, so I'll go play volleyball. And if my sister's happy too, normally we'll do a game together. Yeah. Like we'll play um, on our phones together. Mm-hmm. That's good. I like to, after school, I have soccer practice, and I get to see some of my friends there, too, and it's fun to do that. Yeah. So if you're thinking about other kids your age, what are some things that feel hard or might cause um, a little bit of stress in your life or maybe make you feel a bit anxious? What do you think are some common things for kids your age? Um, the teachers, they expect an expectation and some kids need to work at different paces than others and mm. able to get their work done and they need breaks and stuff. Okay, so maybe feeling like your teacher might not understand the time that certain kids need to do things or, or maybe need longer to learn. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a big one. Yeah, kind of what Grayson said. Like sometimes I even need a break. Even when I'm like good, sometimes I'll just need a break from schoolwork because it's a mm -hmm. lot. Mm -hmm. And balancing schoolwork sometimes when you need breaks is kind of hard. Because when you need breaks but you can't take them, normally like my brain sometimes just goes blank. Yeah. And it's hard to do that without taking. It's like hard to do it without taking a break. And you lose your focus too. You don't really want to work after working for a while. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like really important things for teachers to know. So what do you think teachers could do differently to help you guys deal with some of that? Do you feel like you need more breaks in school or maybe the option of taking a break when you specifically want it? What could that look like? Um, in younger grades, um, we did go noodle. Okay. And we've stopped doing that now. We kind of just keep on working. We don't unless it's snack time or recess or lunch. Mm -hmm. But during first, second, kindergarten, third, all uh, we took breaks like that after everything, after all of our subjects yeah. to get our brain back to focused. And, and do you think most learn. kids liked doing that? Yeah, they, they like being able to have a fun activity. Yeah, so do you think fifth graders miss that or are fifth graders too cool to do Go Noodle? I just think that fifth grade teachers may kind of think that their expectation is high because we're older, mm. so they think that we don't need breaks. But some people may even need that more because they have even more work. So maybe even just letting a kid go out of the room, like walk around our school or like our pod mm -hmm. for a couple, like 30 seconds or something could like change their 
whole 30 minutes of a rest or say like three minutes. Yeah, yeah. So, so it doesn't even have to be a long break, just yeah. something to kind of, so you mentioned leaving the classroom, like something that makes your eyes see something different, your brain gets to think about something different, maybe you hear different sounds and then your brain can refocus when it comes back in the classroom. I think those are really great suggestions. Let's keep that same thought, but let's think about from home. What are things maybe that feel hard in life, and maybe not just home, but life like outside of school for kids your age? Maybe playing sports, like say you're playing two sports. Um, a lot of kids um, in our age play a lot of sports mm -hmm. and they try to balance two sports and like your coach says, you have to practice at home, you have to practice at home and you have no time to do it. Yeah. And like things that your parents want you to do, like dishes, like after practice when you're really tired is sometimes hard. That's a really good point. What do you think, Grayson? So when you play two sports, you might have four practices a week, and that's really hard because you basically only have Friday to be able to bond with your friends after mm -hmm. school. And then the rest is you kind of go to practice. It's fun at practice, but it's not the same as being at home and being able to talk to your friends yeah. on something else. Yeah. So even though it's fun, it's planned, right? Like it's structured fun. And that's different than just having a friend come over, being able to play your video game where it's unstructured fun. Those two things feel different, don't they? Mm -hmm. yeah. So do most of the kids that you know at your school play more than one sport or do more than one activity at a time? Do you think that's pretty common? Yeah. Do you think that's because that's what the kids want to do or because that's what the grown-ups in their life want them to do? Um, some people, I know, like some like their parents want them to be active. Uh -huh. But a lot of people that I know, they just like sports like originally because it gets something off their mind than like school or something. And we all really like to be active pretty much. Like we all really like PE and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you think it makes school harder when kids are involved in a bunch of things outside of school? Or does it not really, at your age, is it? I feel make like it makes them feel more like stressed about after school. Like, okay, I got to go home. I have this much time to do stuff to get ready. Yeah. So you're like, you're kind of already thinking about what after school is going to be like during your school day. Yeah, like, especially if you know practice is going to be rough. Like, if you lost a really bad game and you know, like, practice, you're going to have to run a lot. You're like, I don't want to go home and run. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> like maybe you, you want, want the school day to last longer on yeah. those days. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, so. Is there anything else that you wish teachers or parents knew about the life of a fifth grader or the life of a kid maybe in upper elementary school? Um, maybe for parents to know that if we come home one day mad, just know we're probably not going to be engaged in a conversation. Mm. Like if we're if at school, if I'm happy, like I'll be engaged in the subject, but at home, or like at home, if I'm sad or at school, I'm sad, then I probably won't be like, I won't be listening yeah. and I won't be really that engaged. Sometimes teachers, they don't know what's happening at home. So they kind of think that everything's going good at home and that you're fine. But you kind of have like, you might be hiding a feeling that the teachers don't know about. Yeah. Do you think that most of the teachers that you've had or the adults that are in your building, do you think they want to know? Yes. Yeah. So if you could, if there's kids that are listening to us or maybe parents could talk to their kids, would you encourage your friends and other kids that go to school with you to talk to their teachers and let their teachers know if something's going on that might impact them at school? Yeah, because then your teacher knows that you might need a break yeah. or you might need something instead of having the teacher just think, oh, he's off today. He he's There's probably not anything going on. It's just a bad day for him. Yeah, or like he's making bad choices and maybe there needs to be a consequence for his behavior instead of understanding the emotion that's behind that. That's a really great point, Grayson. Thank you. Yeah, sometimes when people are mad, they'll just naturally have bad behavior.
and then their teachers just think, oh, they're just being really bad. But it's probably based on what emotion they're going through at that time. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we only have one recess a day, and when kids get behind on work, they don't have recess. They have to stay inside, and they kind of get, like, crazy when we're packing up because recess is uh, after recess we pack up. Okay. Yeah, so that break, that recess break is really important, isn't it? That kids don't miss that. Would your advice to teachers be that they shouldn't have kids stay inside from recess? Yeah, I'd rather it, like, I'd, I'm not a fan of homework, but I'd rather take a break than, have, mm. than um, having to stay inside and do it and rather do it at home and take that break then. Because I can take way more breaks at home while I'm doing my work, but at recess, um, we only there's a teacher watching you so like you can't go take breaks and it's yeah. during your break that you should be taking right yeah so in general you would rather not have homework but if you had to choose between homework and no recess you would choose homework yeah. so that you can have that time outside i think some play. people they should give the kids a choice but they should have to bring it back the next day and able so that they can bring it back home again because if they're just saying that they want to go to recess and not bring back their work because you can't bring your chromebooks home so oh, right. so they have to do all paperwork so uh, and the, a lot of kids are getting stuck on iReady because they're not doing their learning path mm. they don't have enough lessons done so they have to stay inside oh, okay. but that's on a chromebook and they'd have to log in from home on their google gmail account yeah, so maybe teachers letting people that are really behind, like maybe not even people like are one or two lessons behind, but like maybe a lot behind, just let them take their Chromebook home one night and get it all done. And if they aren't getting done, they need to find a new way to do it because they took that advantage maybe. Mm -hmm. And they just need to figure out how to balance their work. Yeah. Yeah, those are really good points. As we wrap up, do you have any other advice for teachers? Um, probably just to make sure that all your kids don't need a break before you do anything. Like if you start a new thing, maybe if like ask everyone, hey, do you need a break or something like that? Or like, oh, let them use the bathroom because that can really mm -hmm. reset your mind to a learning yeah, that's good. Maybe just taking a walk around the building or like a short walk around the pod yeah. so that so that they're in their best learning instead of in like the bad mindset where they don't really want to work as much as they should. Yeah, that's so good. So making sure you get a change in scenery, you can get up and move around a little bit, making sure that all of their students' mindsets are in the right place to be doing the learning and then my very last question for you what last advice would you give to parents who are listening um always try to make sure that your kids are okay like if they're having a sad day um do try to find something that they love to do like maybe they like to watch tv or play video games maybe play video games or watch tv with them and make them feel comfortable i love that about you, Grayson, any last advice? Um, you could watch a movie with them, and then during the movie, you could talk about what happened at school. And so they can be talking to you, but they can also be enjoying the movie so they're not feeling that sad feeling yeah. while they're watching the movie. So they're not, like, closed in. They have some space so that they can hear the movie and watch the movie while having a conversation. Yeah. You know, you bring up a really good point. Research actually tells us that everybody, kids and grown-ups, are more likely to share when they're engaged in something that they enjoy doing. So that's such a good point that both of you make. Thank you for sharing your ideas. I know that lots of families are going to benefit and teachers from the things that you told us today. So I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, what great conversations those were. Yeah, incredible. Di different groups of kids. What do you hope that parents or teachers or just adults who know kids, or most of us probably at this point, uh, what do you hope they get out of that? Yeah, that's a great question. And man, there was so much incredible information that those students shared. 
Um, first, I would love to encourage people who listened to share with their friends, with their family, with other adults that they know that could be impacted by what these kids shared. And I would encourage you to just really spend some time evaluating how you connect with your child if you're a parent or how you connect with kids in your life in general. Maybe you're a coach or, you know, interact with with kids in another way. Um, I heard over and over, especially from the high schoolers, that they have a need to be heard and understood, that they don't always want their problems solved for them. Um, sometimes they just need to know that you're there, mm-hmm. that sometimes talking to a parent isn't what's best and that that's okay. And, you know, I loved that they were able to say in the conversation, it doesn't mean I don't love my mom. It doesn't mean I don't want to talk to her about some things, but sometimes it's just easier to talk to somebody or more helpful to talk to somebody I don't know and who doesn't know every detail of my life. And, you know, the other thing that came up, especially with those high schoolers is the idea of parents being open to therapy or to getting their kids help from somewhere outside of the home. And so I would encourage parents to ask their kids, you know, what, what do you feel like you need? What would feel good and helpful to you? And let's figure out a way to work together to make that happen. Even if maybe it isn't something that feels really good to parents. You know, I mentioned that when I was in high school 20 years ago, these weren't conversations that my friends and I were having. If they were going to counseling, I didn't know. And I love that they're open and talking about that. So parents, let's all get on board and be open and talking about that and willing to support them in the ways that they need. I appreciated the comment that was made about, uh, you know, they'd rather the parents do the check-in and, you know, ask those questions than not. Even, yes. even if they, they get a little annoyed by it or maybe it's, it's repetitive. And I think that's a good reminder for, for all of us to make sure that, you know, we're checking in our kids. And it is. We just, we just know what, what, how they're doing. And we heard the same thing from the fifth graders, you know, that when they'd had a bad day, what was it that made them and their friends feel better? And it was when their parents went and spent time doing something they love. So, you know, does your kid love to read? Do they love to watch TV? Do they love to play outside in the backyard? Find that thing and go do it with them. And they're going to be more likely to open up. Yeah, for sure. So, some really powerful advice. Uh, good for little kids, right? That's been pretty impressive. Absolutely. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks for uh, helping to organize this conversation. Thanks for having great. me, like always. That does it for another episode of Andover Airwaves. Thanks for listening. If you have an idea for an upcoming podcast, something you'd like to learn about, email us at info at usd385.org. Hope you have a great day. Mm-hmm.